neither does God. Though sometimes we call him that. We're going to find that out here today. In 1 John chapter 1, we're going through this book, dissecting it verse by verse. We'll begin reading in verse 10 of 1 John chapter 1. <clears throat> and we've already covered verse 9. I covered it, and so did Neva last time he spoke. But let's begin reading in verse 9. We'll, we'll throw it in here. And this is called expository preaching. The reason they call it expository is because we're supposed to expose each word, each sentence. Expose it to us for what it is. It exposes to it, itself to us and how we can take it at face value in our lives. Do you have First John? Chapter 1 verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us or purify us from all unrighteousness. <clears throat> now here's where we're going to begin our study. We're going to camp out on, lot, on verse 10, and then we're going to end up with verses 1 and 2 of chapter 2. If we claim we have not sinned, we make God out to be a what? Wow. And his word has no place in our lives. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, or an advocate. Some of you are to say advocate, right? Or lawyer, an attorney, an advocate. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice, some say propitiation, okay, for our sins. Not only for our sins, but also for the sins of the whole world. Father, I pray you can forgive the whole world. We've been finding out on our Wednesday services that your circle of love includes the whole world. You can forgive everybody. That you're not willing that any should perish, but all come to repentance. And Lord, many of us have already found repentance and we're in relationship with you, but we need to stay in fellowship with you. We're related to you. You're our father. We're your sons. We're your daughters. We're going to heaven. But Lord, we need to walk in constant communication and fellowship with you through the cleansing of your word and of your blood. Let us glean and receive from your word here today. <clears throat> Anoint me, Lord God, and use me for your honor and glory to minister to a needy people, including myself. We're always in need, Lord God. But you're always able to come through. We honor you, we bless you in Jesus' name. Everyone together said? Amen. Greet one another one more time in the love of the Lord prior to your being seated. <clears throat> Praise God. Realize, don't rationalize. That is the title of my sermon. And you realize why in just a little bit, okay? Realize, don't rationalize. <laughs> now, <clears throat> we have been studying here these verses, verse by verse of 1 John, and we've mentioned already that there's umbrellas that we can put up to keep the light away from us. God is light, we found out. But we can keep God out, we can keep his light out by putting up umbrellas. We've covered different umbrellas already. This is the third umbrella we're going to be dealing with here this morning. The first umbrella, it ignored the light. We found that out in chapter 1. The second umbrella denied sin. Okay? It denied sin. That's what verse 8 says. If we claim to be without sin. But the third umbrella, it rationalizes sin. Okay? Why we've done this. Why all this is that has happened. Okay? And the third way of avoiding light is the most common. 
the one that we're going to be dealing with here today. It's the most often used excuse, if you will, or umbrella. The third umbrella says, yes, I can sin. Yes, I do need light. But in checking myself out and examining myself and my situation, I see weakness. I see failure. I see a bit of ignorance, but I don't see sin. That's what, he, that's what this guy's saying here. The guy with the third umbrella. And many times that's you and I. Yes, I, yes, I'm going to need to be forgiven. Yes, I'm going to need the light. Okay? Yes, I'm going to need, uh, 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 you know, I, I can fall into sin. But not right now. Uh, I might have had a moment or two or three of weakness. But I didn't sin. I'm okay. See, this kind of people John is writing about. Okay? He says, if we say we have not sinned, we make God out to be a, what does it say there? A liar. Now, in my time, in my tenure as a pastor, I've had a, and I've seen a number of people that have claimed this self-righteousness, so to speak. A number of people who have, you know, actually rebelled. And, you know, they, they've chosen to come against either myself, the ministry, or, or, or what have you, the church. And, but they wanted to come and they wanted to make sure with me that they were not sinning. I've had that happen, okay? I'm just throwing this in real quick here from the beginning of the sermon. When in actuality, the Bible says in 1 Samuel 15, 23, that rebellion is as the sin of what? Witchcraft. And the reason why, in other words, they were really rebelling. They, they, they were coming against, that's not right. They were in rebellion. And rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft because in the rebellion, individuals have given in to deceiving and seducing spirits. That's why it's like witchcraft. And the enemy will come in and lie to you. Well, this is not right. And I told you before, when you come in this door, uh, the devil's waiting for you. He's the head usher. And he'll say, oh, look at this. Check that out. Look at that. Huh? All those number of things. And he'll always try to make you to rebel. Uh, so here, back to 1 John. John is writing about people who are evading the facts. They're avoiding the truth and they're avoiding reality. Nothing but the facts, Jack. Just the facts. Uh, but they're avoiding the facts. They're avoiding the truth. They don't want to see it for what it really is. The man John is writing about is rationalizing. He or she is clothing wrong so that it looks right. Are you with me? What's really wrong, they're clothing it to look like if it's right. Uh, I mean, what have we said before? You can get a pig and dress him up and give him a shower and put on some foo foo juice on him, you know? Put a, you know, a hat on him and a cane, make him look bad. Uh, look what I did. But then when he turned loose, where's he going to go? Back to the mud. Back to the sin. Uh, that's what happens a lot of times. We, 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 we get sin and we clothe it up like a, like a pig. Oh, it's, I'm, I'm all right now. Oink, oink. We rationalize. See, rationalizing is the ability to make wrong and evil to look good. To look okay. To look all right. But which one of us has never done that? We've all been there. We've all done that. Don't say that you haven't. That's what John is saying. Don't come on. We're all experts. We're all good at it. Uh, we're all experts in our own right. Experts in our own right. But not in God's right. In our own right. Self-righteousness. But not in God's right. Not in God's sight and not in God's light. And that's what John is talking about here. The sight and the light of God. 
God is light. See, rationalization is the human tendency to tone down anything that we feel is unpleasant or unacceptable to you and I. We tone it down. Oh, I don't like that. Uh, so we have a way of just, you know, clothing it up, making it look good. Rationalization is to call and to label disobedience to the Word of God anything else but sin. Don't call it sin. That's what rationalization is. Uh, I'm not in sin. Many and most people don't really know the meaning of the word sin. But one thing is for sure. They just can't feel too comfortable when the word is mentioned. <laughs> Gives me the willies. They don't really know what sin means, but, but they don't like to hear that word sin. Oh, not, 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 not I. They want to rationalize. They don't feel comfortable around that word. What the Bible calls sin, we call frailty. We label it weakness. Even hereditary. The parents that thou gavest me, Lord. Ah. Or a product of our environment. It's not my fault. I was born in like this. I, I'm from the hood. Ah. Yeah, right, buddy. Ah. See, the fancier the name, the better and easier we can deal with that thing. Uh, we can accept it because it's got a better name. Weakness. Frailty. Because it sounds so much better than sin. Ugh, I hate that word. Uh, I hate that word sin. I'm not a sinner. But what we're really doing, uh, and what we're actually doing is, you know, it's like going to, to, to your cabinets and finding something that's called or labeled poison, taking the label off and putting the label perfume or, or cologne or lotion on it. That's what we're doing. You're going to your cabinets, your kitchen cabinets, your whatever cabinet you might have, your restroom cabinets, finding poison and putting a different label on it that looks and sounds much better. See, while other people are prejudiced, we have convictions. While other people get angry, we get righteously indignated. Pretty poison. But as long as we can, okay, and do call sin by any other name, we will never see it as the killer and the poison that it really is. Because we labeled it a different name. Oh, this isn't poison. That's not sin. Uh, I'm all right. You're okay. She's okay. I'm okay. Be okay. Okay? Okay. <laughs> See, John is writing about Christians. Uh, people in relationship with God, but not in fellowship with God. We've already covered that. He's writing about Christians, you and I. Okay? See, John is saying that as long as we can laugh at and, and avoid our sin, then we will never do anything to remedy the sin. We're using the wrong application upon our lives. Thus, my friend, we seem to constantly go around frail and weak and, and spiritually anemic, never living in the power of the Holy Spirit because our sins haven't been forgiven. We're not in the fullness of the Holy Ghost. Uh, we're, we're, we're a facade as Christians. We're not genuine because we're not dealing with the remedy. We're not, we're not applying the blood. We're not applying confession. Uh, because we've allowed sin to poison us and get the better end of us. So we can't really have total victory. We can't walk around in total victory. We're deceiving ourselves. But we're okay. We're going to be all right. We rationalize. We rationalize, but we don't realize. We don't realize what we need to do. We're rationalizing our life away. Instead of realizing that we need to confess. Then another way of rationalizing our sin 
is to, is to blame other people. Blame them, okay? This is, in other words, we blame it on the pressures and the circumstances of life. Okay? The first one, we can, we, we, you know, we can call sin a weakness, but in this one, we blame our situation, our circumstance. Okay? We rationalize by, you know, calling sin, oh, that's our weakness, it's a frailty. But another way to rationalize a sinner by, by saying, oh, it was too hard. He preaches too long. Can't help it if I get mad. See, we excuse our sins because of the outside pressures and they're just too hard. They're too difficult to handle. I just couldn't do it, man. I, I, I just succumbed to the pressure. It's too difficult. See, because of our nerves and, and we're, we're too tired. Is the reason why we, you know, we, 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 we fall off the handle or, or we, 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 we flew off the handle. I blew it because. And we start making excuses. That's why we, you know, blurted out and said what we, what we said. I shouldn't have said it, but I said it and I, it was the pressure. Uh, see, we knew it was wrong. We knew we shouldn't have said that or done that. But the pressure just mounted up. And we blurted out. Couldn't, you know, what can I say? I said it. My neighbor's fault. My boss, my children, my pastor, my leaders, my husband, my wife. Uh, if it weren't for them, what a wonderful world this would be. But man, my wife, my wife. I didn't know ahead of time. Nobody told me. My mother-in-law should have told me. It's her fault. Mama told me not to come. Ah, we blame it on other people. John 1.10 says that we're saying that we don't need the cleansing of the blood. We need the cleansing of our adversaries. <laughs> That's a good one. I'll wait for you. In other words, we don't need the cleansing blood. That's what John 1.10 is saying. We need to be cleansed of our wife. Cleanse, cleanse me of my husband. Purge me. Get rid of him. Make him perfect. Ah, I want a perfect husband. How many of you singles? How many singles? Come on. Oh, okay. Oh, uh, Let me give you a head start. Don't. Your mate's not going to be perfect. But you do. We all go into like. I've told you how before we got married, I was driving, going down uh, Alpha Beta or the market, supermarket, just putting corn in the thing and just saying, oh, what a wonderful world this will be. <laughs> then she burned the corn. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, <laughs> all those, we thought it was, I, merrily, merrily, merrily. Ah. Uh, it's not like that. But we, want, we don't want the cleansing of the blood. We want the cleansing of our adversaries, of our weaknesses. We have no need of the blood because we haven't sinned. That's what John is saying. We don't need the blood. It's not our fault. Hey, blood, hang out there. Hold on, but I don't need you right now. I'm all right. I don't need forgiveness. See, when we need the blood, we'll tell you, God, but not right now. When we need the light, You'll be the first to know, God. That's what John is saying here. When, we need the, when I need cleansing, hey, God, you'll be the first to know. But I don't need you right now. I'm okay. 
I'm all right. I'm fine and dandy. See, sin is a willful, deliberate act. But since it wasn't my fault, since it was an outside circumstance, then it's not really sin. Not really sin. It wasn't my fault. I, I had nothing to do with it. We got feathers hanging out of our teeth. I don't know where the birdie went. What birdie? Ah. Thus, my friend John is saying that when we tell ourselves that we haven't willfully sinned, then we're calling God a liar. That's what we're saying. See, the bottom line, and this is pretty profound, I think. The bottom line is that if it's not our fault, then it's God's fault. That's what John is saying the third umbrella does. We say, God, it's, it's, if it's not my fault, there's only two people in our lives anyways, God and us. If it's not my fault, then it's, huh, it's your fault. The person you created. Ah, uh, you put weaknesses in me. Because God allowed this situation, this circumstance to come our way. That was his fault, not ours. These circumstances are too hard to handle. Ah, uh, and God, you allowed them to, to surface and to come my way for me to face them and confront them. It wasn't my fault. I didn't ask for this, this trial. You put it there, God. Ah, uh, I wanted, you know, a perfect life. See, my friend, that's the oldest excuse there is. It goes back all the way to the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. When God came to hold Adam accountable, Adam said, it was the woman you gave me. It's your fault. I didn't ask for her. The woman. And the woman says, it was the snake. The snake. Well, not my fault. The snake, God, you made the snake. It's your fault. Ah. Eve blames the serpent, and ultimately she blames God for allowing the serpent to tempt her. See, we're calling God a weasel, a scoundrel, a double-crosser. But John uses a worse word, a liar. That's worse than a scoundrel. That's worse than a weasel. God, you're a liar. Now, and stay with me here. While the Word of God says God has given us power to overcome and to be more than conquerors, we're the ones who don't tap into that power. It's our fault. It's our fault. And the power is afforded there. And we're going to find it at the end of the sermon in about two hours. Hallelujah. No, no, no. You come to 9 o'clock. You know I got to be done by 11. You smart people, you. Uh, but stay with me now. There's power afforded us. We can tap into that power and find grace and help in time of need. Romans 8 says, nothing shall separate us from the love and the power of God. Neither death, nor life, nor stay with me here, nor things present, which means our current circumstances, nor things to come, which means future pressures. And I've been talking about pressure and circumstances. Nor things present, the things that we're confronting now, nor things to come, future pressures. They can't separate us from the love of God. Nothing can. So while God's word is saying nothing can separate us from the power of God, we're saying that there are things that can separate us. Yeah, there is. That the trial is too hard. Romans 8 is wrong, God. It's your fault. Why did you put in Romans 8, God? There's things that can separate us. 
Certain situations and circumstances beyond our control can separate us. Thus, we make God and his word to be a liar. God says nothing can separate us. We're saying, yes, there is. You lied. That trial was too hard. Look at this. I'm flesh and blood. I'm weak. Ah, was it my fault? You made me like this. Ah, man. Talk like George God. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. See, we're saying there are various things that make it impossible for us to serve God as we should, as we're supposed to. There's certain things that, are, that make it impossible. Things like fatigue or, or sickness, pressure, temptation. Now, I didn't ask for the sickness, God. I'm not going to serve you now. See, so one of us is telling the truth and the other is not. And I know, God, that I'm not lying. So it's got to be you. Because I know, I, know I, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. Huh? So if I didn't do it, you know, sometimes we're in our car. Certain things happen in our car with our kids. And there's four or five of us in there. And we say, hey, who did that? Nobody confesses. But we, I said, no, I, I know I didn't do it. So it's got to be one of you three. And you know what I'm talking about, but I'm not going to go there. What am I? I didn't say that. It's your fault. <laughs> You're preaching on me, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that's what it's like, right? We're saying, God, I know it wasn't me. I know. I didn't lie. You're lying, God. You're the liar. Oh. Man. What a heavy accusation, man. And that's an assertion that we're giving to God. Accusation. Uh, man. Look at Job chapter 40. Job chapter 40. But keep your Bibles open to 1 John. Job tried the very same thing. And when you study God's word, you'll find that Job was the very first book ever written. It was the first book. Though it's not put before Genesis, but it was written before Genesis. Job chapter 40. Do you have it? Verses 1 through 8. I'll wait because some of you are still turning. Job 40, chapter 40, verse 1 says, The Lord said to Job, Will the one who contends with the Almighty correct him? That's the very same thing here. You're trying to say that it's my fault? Huh? Are you going to contend with Almighty God and correct me? God is saying. Let him who accuses God answer him. Then Job answered the Lord. I am unworthy. How can I reply to you? I put my hand over my mouth. I spoke once, but I have no answer twice, but I will say no more. Then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. Brace yourself like a man. I will question you and you, will, and you shall answer me. Would you discredit my justice? Would you condemn me to justify yourself? Look at chapter 42, verse 6. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust, in ashes. See, Job was trying to justify himself. That's what it's all about here. He was always trying to justify and find a way out. It was a, a way of escape. Uh, but they're looking at it and they want it their own way in their own right. Their own means. They want to do it themselves. See, Job had tried to justify and to verify himself against God. Like 
First John is talking about. But Job learned better and he repented. <clears throat> That's how it ends. Thank God he ended with repentance. Thank God we can end with, with repentance as well. See, the bold and cold truth and reality of the matter is we just don't like the situations and the circumstances God has put us in. We don't like it. So in our selfishness, we choose not to, not, not to tap into God's power and his provision. So we run and we blame God. But we haven't sinned. We haven't sinned. It's not our fault. We didn't tap into his power. We're still operating on our own righteousness, our own self. So in chapter 2, verse 1, let's turn to it as I close. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. John explains what the real trouble is along with the solution, praise God. Look at chapter 2 of 1 John, verse 1. Here John explains the problem, the trouble, but also the solution. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense or our behalf, our advocate, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. See, John is saying that because the power that is afforded us in Jesus Christ, we really don't have to sin. That's what he's saying. You don't have to sin, but if you do, he says. But because of the power, we really don't have to sin. Ugh. But how many know that all have sinned? Yes. We don't have to, but we do. We do. Ah. Uh, and when we do, John says, we will have a perfect defense against that sin. And that defense is the attorney, Jesus Christ. Our advocate, Jesus Christ. We have a perfect solution to the sin problem. Did you hear what I said? The perfect solution to the sin problem. The Lamb of God. Slain for all man. But his powerful defense for us is lost. And it's to no avail if we want to keep defending ourselves. I'm okay. I didn't sin. Hmm? The circumstance, the woman, my leader, my fearless leader, didn't call me. Uh, so the, the powerful defense of God is lost. John is saying, that a number of people go this route where they represent themselves and they try to justify themselves by saying it was and is not their fault. They're representing themselves in court. They don't have God as an attorney. They don't have Christ as their attorney. Uh, they can easily explain their weaknesses by their circumstances that they had to face, by their situations that was given to them by God. I don't want to be in this home. Nobody told me it was going to be so hard. What did you bring me to this church? Man. See, they can easily explain the weaknesses to God. They couldn't help it. They had nothing to do with it. Not my fault. See, the thing is that as long as we try to justify and represent ourselves uh, full of excuses, Evading God, excusing ourselves from God, then God can only condemn us. He can't, he can't justify us. You want to be your own attorney? Head on. But He can only, he, he has to condemn us. See, the strength, the power, and especially forgiveness remain elusive. 
We are unable to receive genuine God-given justification. Forgiveness is, is ours, but we're not accepting it. We're not taking it in. God's hands are tied because we haven't sinned. I'm okay. We tied God's hands because we said we haven't sinned. We rationalize, but we don't realize our situation. But if we would just stop excusing and justifying ourselves, Jesus could cleanse us. But see, my friend, and this is quite a statement. Ooh. The blood cannot cleanse excuses. That's one of the heaviest statements I've ever heard in my life, right here. The blood, what can wash away all sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. The blood shall never lose its power. Yes, it does. Excuses are more powerful than the blood. The blood shall never lose its power. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. It really does it because it's there. It's afforded. But we diminish the power of the blood when we don't use it. Ah, uh, we don't use it. But we could if we would confess our sins. Ah, uh, we offer up excuses instead of confession. David Wilkerson one time said many years ago, he says, the church should be confessing their sins instead of confessing Cadillacs. Oh, I confess a new house. I confess a, I confess a, a perfect husband. I confess your sins right there. <laughs> There's no perfect husband. Uh, right, Josie? No way, Jose. Ah. And I could ask the Pope if he was married. I could ask his wife. Ah, but he's not married. Ah. See, we're, we're too busy confessing, you know, our, instead of confessing our sins. There's power in confession. See, the blood only cleanses sin, not excuses. Did you hear what I said? The blood, which is very powerful, it only cleanses sin, not excuses, not justification. Ah, but the, the best thing to do is to fess up, confess up. The minute and the moment we confess, God's forgiveness opens up the door to his power and to his strength. Understand what I just said there. The minute we confess the power of God, it comes, comes, and, and, and he strengthens us, he empowers us, he gives us power over sin. The minute we confess, he's faithful and just. Then and only then can we go back and face and confront those pressures, those difficulties, and those circumstances that we couldn't handle before. Ooh. They're bigger than me. No, they're not. All you got to do is confess your sin, and the power of God afforded to you comes rushing in to your life. Then you're able to go back and confront those situations, those circumstances. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I found forgiveness. I feel speaking clean. Come on, Godzilla. Come on, devil. Come on, mother-in-law. I'm ready. I ain't afraid of you. Perfect love casts out all fear. I can walk and talk and the way I'm supposed to. Ah, Private Pineda ready right here. Uh, like Lydia said last week, she ain't afraid. You ain't got to be afraid. Unless you're hiding stuff. Unless you're saying, oh, I'm okay. Come on, Dale. <laughs> you gangster slap you. Because you're not confession proof. Hallelujah. You ain't confess nothing. You're big and you're bad. Uh, we're calling God a liar. See, now we're ready for the pressure. 
Now we're ready for life's hard times. Uh, and we're not going to rely on our own goodness, on our own strength. Let's not make God out to be a liar because he's not and he never can be. He can't be. See, the bottom line of this teaching is this. And that's what John is saying. That there are three umbrellas that we purposely or ignorantly, ignorantly put up to block out the light of the gospel. And this third umbrella, this third case, the believer, okay, has dug himself into a ditch, a deep, dark hole. Understand what I'm saying here? He's in a hole because he's, he has no light. He's dug himself into a deep, dark hole through his own ways. But John says, through confession, God's love and light is able to, to work through and break through all our mess, all our circumstances, all our pressures, and rescue us out of that dark madness. All you got to do is confess. Some of you are probably locked up in a big hole. Because you're, you're saying, I'm okay. No, you're not. But the light of God cannot shine because you, you not only have an umbrella, you're, you're all locked up. But God is saying, God can come into the, through the muck and the mire of your circumstances, your situation. No matter what it is, all you got to do is confess and the light of God will come shining through. A friend of mine was a lady named Corey Tin Boone. She was a friend and acquaintance of mine because she used to work the prisons and I did too. She was a powerful, powerful woman of God. Someday we're going to have to show her movie here called The Hiding Place. And she always said, I think this is her most famous quote. She says, there is no hole deep enough. Uh, no place dark enough where the love of God cannot come and reach down and touch us and reach us. None. But all it is is a confession of You want to open up, get rid of that umbrella? You want to open up the hole? Confess. God, you're not a liar. I've been deceiving myself. I was lying to myself. I, I'm sorry. I have sinned and come short of your glory. And the minute we ask for forgiveness, the power of God comes in. And we're able to go out and face our situations and circumstances and handle difficult times. I've said it many times before. The reason I'm still behind this pulpit is because I understand some of these things. Uh, not, I mean, I haven't been perfect. My wife knows that. But I understand the remedy, the application. What can wash away all sin? Nothing but the blood. But the blood can't cleanse excuses. Realize. Don't rationalize. Realize what you've done is wrong. What you're doing is wrong. Confess. And the power of God just comes sleeping through. When every head bowed and every eye closed. As every head is bowed and every eye closed, Spirit of God moving in ministry. We've got plenty of time for a bona fide altar call here today, the 9 o'clock service. As every head is bowed and every eye closed, Spirit of God moving in ministry.